This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 251, How Does Inflation Affect Bank on Yourself, Part 2. Traditional financial planning is no longer working, and in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome to this week's episode. I want you to imagine right where you are, wherever you're listening to this. I know I'm breaking the fourth wall of podcasting here. Wherever you're at, the room you're in is suddenly sealed off and it becomes your world economy. Everyone and everything outside of where you are is just empty space. So all the objects that are currently around you, look around you right now, all the objects that you are around right now is all of the capital that your world economy can use. So for example, the chair or the dishes you're cleaning, it's all become capital goods that you can use to trade to make your economy hum. And the people in the park or the coworkers or the people on the treadmill next to you at the gym, they're all part of that world economy. They're free trade partners in your world economy. And let's just imagine... For a moment, everybody in your economy has exactly $1 million evenly distributed. Some of us own land, maybe some forest land, and the person next to you, maybe he's he's a capitalist and he owns some axes and saws and he rents and he buys logging rights from you and he spends some of that money. And let's say he also spends some money on the workers that maybe they're on the treadmill in front of you there. uh, And some workers take that forest wood and create tables and, and chairs and so forth. And so all of the work and effort that you as a whole group of people are doing help establish and sustain a world economy. Some people are farmers and they labor to plow and make food. Maybe that's the donuts in in your car seat next to you. Don't just think because this is a podcast, I cannot smell those donuts uh, sitting right next to you there, man. I hope you brought enough to share. Those donuts are some of your food supply in this imaginary world economy. Now, if any of our capital goods magically multiplied, we'd all be better off. Say, for example, if if all those donuts just multiplied by 10, we'd all have more food and, and fewer people in our economy would go hungry. Or if the plow of farm workers and farmland magically increased, then we could make more food and everyone would be better off. Or if the forest land and the axes multiplied, we'd all have more tables and chairs and so forth. But what if we just increased all of the money? Let's say we had a million dollars, but let's just add a zero on top of that. Now we've got 10 million. Everybody on the count of three, one, two, three, add a zero to your balance sheet. Now look around you again, wherever you might be standing or sitting right now, listening to this podcast, do we automatically have more wealth just because we added a zero to our balance sheet? Are there more donuts in the box there? Do we have more workers working? Are there stronger or smarter lumberjacks cutting down trees? No, no, of course not. We can't just make money increase evenly for everybody, and we cannot just magically wave a wand and automatically create more wealth. No, it's done through the capital appreciation of the stuff of this world. Now, we're going to get into some of how inflation works and has worked for the last 100 plus years, and we're going to talk specifically about how bank on yourself type whole life policies are impacted by this rising inflationary environment that we all find ourselves in. This is part two of the presentation I gave the W2 Capitalist Summit with Jay Helms. As you guys dig into this content, I want you to really ask yourself, what if interest rates continue to rise? 
Does that spell the end of the insurance contracts that we talk about on this podcast? If interest rates rise and bonds continue to crash and fall, does that spell the end of bank on yourself since most life insurance companies have a heavy weight in their portfolio toward bonds? That's the question we're going to be delving into today. So hang tight. We're going to cover a lot of ground and enjoy part two of the W2 Capitalist Summit uh, talking about inflation and bank on yourself. Mr. Mark Willis. So part two of Not Your Average Inflation. Uh, Mark joined us yesterday. By the way, Mark, I apologize to everybody who was initially here and I said, hey, look, I felt like I rushed Mark yesterday. Luckily, he's coming back for part two today. And, and if your schedule allows, we can go for long. But if not, completely understand because what you're talking about, it, like all the other topics, I almost back myself in a corner there, is extremely important. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, inflation impacts everything else. If you're dealing with money, uh, it's going to impact everything else. So that's I paid four dollars a gallon of milk at Audi yesterday, which we normally pay like two seventy five or whatnot. I, we drink five gallons a week. Okay, mm -hmm. we're going to go bankrupt just drinking milk. That's crazy. We're not really. Well, but. we're we're switching to lettuce milk. And, uh, and, and bug protein and whatever else you have to do. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to come up with some uh, better strategies than that on our uh, quick presentation today. <laughs> Guys, we're here to talk about increasing your own money supply. We uh, are going to do a quick recap of yesterday's uh, part one. Then we're going to get into some specific strategies and some common myths about how bank on yourself is impacted by inflation. So we're going to cover that together today. Again, the presenting issue is that in 1990, uh, we had a population of 250 million people with about $2 trillion sloshing around in bank accounts and wallets and so forth. And now we've seen our population grow by just 25% uh, to 330 million as of this year. But we now have 10 times as much money floating around. That is the smoking gun of inflation at work over the last 30 years. All right. So we talked some about how you can protect yourself. And I jokingly brought up lettuce steaks and, and bug protein as an option, but we have some better strategies. And we got into some of them yesterday. We talked about the myth of high rates of return in the stock market. We also talked about the advantages of real estate and also how real estate is going to be negatively impacted by inflation as mortgage rates continue to rise and so forth. Then we brought up the idea of bank on yourself, which is using a little known variation of dividend paying whole life insurance to give you three crucial strategies in your financial tool belt. The three strategies that I believe are going to be the, the small hinge that swing the big doors in your financial life are the power of uninterrupted compound growth. These policies are growing on a guaranteed and compound schedule every single day every single year, you know, regardless of market volatility. So the power of compounding is crucial in the bank on yourself concept. Second, the power of leverage, how we can use the power of leverage, not against us, which is how inflation destroys our wealth is through leverage, but for our advantage, how we use the policy itself for continuous compounding, even when we borrow against it. And then the power of optionality, again, this power of being able to keep our money in motion, the velocity of money, is so huge when it comes to inflation, because if our money sits still in a savings account, we're like sitting on the, the target, right? And you got to get off the target when it comes to inflation. So the power of optionality means we don't have to choose between uh, mobile home parks and bank on yourself. We get to choose both and. Okay. So it's not 
hurry up and wait. It's more of a wait than hurry up when it comes to inflation. Uh, inflation has happened quietly over the last 40 years, and then boom, all at once, it seems. Uh, we've seen a, a, a tremendous drop in many of our favorite stay-at-home stocks like Netflix. It, it's dropped 85% from its high. Uh, we've seen a lot of the ARK Innovation tech stocks dropping like incredibly over the last uh, six months or so. But the not-so-average participant of this summit knows that there's more to the financial universe than just the stock market. And you're here because that real estate is a big part of the piece of that equation. But many of you guys might also know that there's another mega market that's booming across the world. And really, it's crashing across the world. It's known as the bond market. Bonds are crashing. When we start to see uh, yield curves inverting, if that makes any sense, when we start to see the 10-year and the 30-year note, treasury note flipping, people are favoring the wrong side of that bond curve. You're not just reading tea leaves. The, the flipping or the inverting of the bond yield curve is actually a perfect correlation for every recession we've ever had. Guys, this is a big deal. And so as of this recording, we're getting dangerously close to a yield curve inversion which might just mean that a recession is upon us, or in fact, we might already be in one. In 2007, uh, we were already in a recession. We just didn't realize it yet until the fall of 2008. All right, so the bond market has been crushed the last six months. In fact, from January to April, we've seen the, the worst four-month period that the bond market has ever seen. Let that sink in for a minute. A multi-trillion dollar market is in its worst phase that it's ever been in in all of recorded modern human history. That is not a small thing to say. And I don't pleasure saying it, but that's the reality of where things are at financially right now. So I'm not here to prognosticate on where we're headed, if we're going into recession, if we're going to have a boom or result from this, who knows? I'd like to focus mainly on who are the players in this major market, the bond market. How does it impact bank on yourself type whole life policies? And specifically, what can you do with the bank on yourself strategy to better yourself financially as we head into higher interest rates? Now, if you've been investigating the bank on yourself concept, if you've been hanging around the W-2 crew, then you know that in many ways, life insurance companies that back the bank on yourself concept and are using dividend paying whole life insurance, which is the kind of insurance required for a true bank on yourself policy, you'll see that these insurance companies on their balance sheets have a heavy weighting toward bonds. Now, I just said that the bond market is crashing. So does this spell the undoing of insurance companies? Are we about to see a massive bankruptcy and implosion and, and the unraveling of the entire bank on yourself concept? After all, aren't bonds just you know imploding? Aren't they risky and losing value right now? No, certainly. Well, we'll find out for sure, but certainly there's no financial institution that could completely withstand a major financial crisis. And let's not forget, we just went through a health crisis too, the pandemic definitely would put pressure, I would imagine, on insurance companies. So the first thing you got to recognize is that not all bonds are created equal. So we cannot lump all bonds together. And many people also start to say, well, hey, let's just forget this life insurance stuff. And, you know, hey, the insurance companies are, are basically a giant bond fund. This is what I hear people say sometimes, myself included, when I was first learning about this strategy. They say, hey, if you buy life insurance effectively, it's just basically a giant bond fund like the insurance company is just a big mutual fund or something. So instead of me putting all my money in a 401k, let me put my money into this life insurance. And hey, yeah, technically if I die, I'll get some sort of death benefit. You know, it's essentially the same thing I hear people saying. It's the same thing as putting your money into bonds. 
All right. And the way the world is right now, you don't want to put your money into bonds, they say, because as interest rates go up, bond values will go down. And right now they're going down in a very big way. So won't this ruin the whole life insurance industry? Won't it destroy the balance sheets of these insurance companies? And thus, won't it destroy the guarantees of the whole life policy? So why would anyone want to put their money into whole life insurance if interest rates are rising? Won't that kill the insurance companies? And the answer is no, definitely not. Let's talk about what happens when you put money into life insurance policy. So here are four little buddies here, and they're all going to put their money into a whole life insurance contract in this case. So they're going to pay their premiums over here to the insurance company. And that insurance company does what with it? Are they going to put it in a shoebox somewhere? Are they going to put it into meme stocks like AMC and GameStop? No, <laughs> that'd be kind of cool. But no, they got to do something smart and savvy with it because they now owe policyholder families tons of money. So they got to be safe and predictable with that cash. So what are they going to do with it? They're going to sit on a lot of it in cash in case they need to pay out a death claim or something today. But they're also going to put a bunch of money into example. Here's some examples, some mortgage debt, some municipal bonds. A lot of it is corporate bonds, which what do those do? They, they go to build new factories, schools, home renovation, uh, office renovations, hotels, bridges. And that money is then going to build and develop the economy that we all enjoy. Apple, for example, issues bonds every year to build their new iPhone. And guess where they're getting the money to build those iPhones? It's coming from insurance companies. And as that money begins to kick out revenue, as they sell those iPhones or as, as they build that new hotel or whatever, that money goes right back to the insurance company that lent out the money, which goes back to pay the benefits and, and so forth of policyholders. So that is, how, that is the business model of the life insurance industry. So they are not a big bond fund. They're simply just using that capital to sit on and wait until the right maturity of claims comes to be. All right. So is, does this mean that bank on yourself is invincible? No. Uh, if the economy crashes so bad that companies like Apple or GE or others go bankrupt and a bunch of these corporations that had issued bonds with insurance companies default, yeah, at some point, if there's like Mad Max style destroying kind of uh, economies, then even the strongest life insurance company is going to feel some pain. I'm just saying that, you know, hey, if we know interest rates are going to go up, it doesn't mean like ipso facto that the insurance industry is going to get decimated. In fact, back when interest rates were at rock bottom, they were pretty low there for the last 25 years. People were saying, why would I get into whole life insurance when interest rates are so low? And how could the insurance company even do business with insurance interest rates so low? So it's sort of like people are, are saying, hey, bank on yourself won't work with low interest rates. And then they say, hey, bank on yourself won't work when interest rates go up. So you got to make up your mind. So this is sort of the, the concept that I'm just trying to, I guess, dispel that common misbelief about insurance industry writ large. Now, about all that, that's fine. That's whatever. That's great. But what is it that we're actually doing when we have a bank on yourself policy? Remember, the point is not to invest in insurance. And it's certainly not to get into bonds, especially not these days. Bank on yourself is a cash flow management system. It's not about interest rates. It's about bringing the banking function back down to the you and me level. And this is one of the most important things you guys, that we all can do is to bring the banking function back into your own life. We have all, unfortunately, we've outsourced it to many other banks, but what if you could bring it back into the you and me level where you're able to become your own source of financing?
Now, when inflation rears its ugly head, don't forget, whole life insurance premiums are, are level. They do not go up. Uh, whenever inflation rises, that means your premiums are getting easier to pay. Your cash value and death benefit grow according to the insurance company's profits. So I guess I got to say, we got to start partying like it's 1980. Well, why am I saying party like it's 1980? Because guys, back in 1980, you know, mortgage rates were 17, 18, 20%. And guess what? We've got the history. We've got the background. We've got the evidence that whole life insurance dividends go up when interest rates rise. Dividends in 1981, 82, and so on, they were in the 12, 15, 18% range. So we're able to keep up with inflation when inflation rears its ugly head. Insurance companies that we like to work with have paid out a dividend without fail for over 100 years. All right. So as we wrap up, I wanted to talk through an example case here. This is somebody who, now please forgive me, I had to get some sort of numbers on the screen. And I realize that might be tough if you're not able to see the screen. So what we're looking at here is a 41-year-old who has a policy where he was able to put in $400,000 as a single lump sum. Now, please understand, you could take one or even two zeros off of that number, and this strategy would work just the same. Don't let the numbers dissuade you from just following along here. This is just to show you the concept. Now, first and foremost, if you put 400 grand into a single premium policy, that means there's no additional bills to pay. This thing is totally done, and it's just going to work for you for the rest of your life and grow on a predictable and even guaranteed basis. Now, this guy, he puts in $400,000. Again, feel free to add or take away zeros as you wish here. The numbers work just the same. But he has a cash value in the first year, and actually the first 30 days of after starting his policy, he has a cash value, which is incredibly large. The number here says $378,000 in year one. So that means almost all of his money, 90 plus percent of his money is liquid and accessible cash right away. Now, why doesn't he have all 400,000? Where did some of that money go? Well, it went to buy that giant $1.7 million death benefit right there. All right, so he puts in 400 grand. He's got $378,000 day one, essentially. And he's got a $1.7 million gift to the family. Is that a good deal? I'd say. When does this thing break even? He lost some money if you, if you kind of look at that carefully there. Looks like he has $411,000 in just year three. That more than beats my savings account, at least my savings account. Sure beats CDs and so forth. Every savings account. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you bet, man. These policies are going to keep up and even beat most other cash buckets you could save your money in. And they're not getting taxed every year either. Most folks don't realize it, but the 13 cents we got paid on our savings account last year, Jay, we had to give six of those cents to the government. Yeah. But this is Good a non-taxable account. Yeah, yeah. So this offsets the impacts of inflation. And by year eight, this is the one number I want you to really remember, guys. He puts in 400 grand in year one. And by year eight, he's already got 507,000 bucks in cash value. Now just keep that 507,000 in mind for a moment because we're gonna go check out what he's gonna do with this money. I don't say, hey guys, just open up whole life insurance and just let it sour in there. No, I want us to put some of this money to work. So what if I took a giant policy loan in the first year, this guy takes a loan, a policy loan. You can bank on yourself and borrow against the policy. This guy takes, of his $378,000, he takes his loan for $360,000 to buy a multifamily deal or whatever he wants to do with it. Storage units, mobile home parks, whatever he wants to do. That's $360,000. And he repays that loan over eight years. 
Now, how might he do that? Well, I'll leave it up to the pros on here, but maybe it's cash out refinances. Maybe it's selling the, the syndication. Maybe he's getting rent money that pays it off over eight years. It's up to your particular investment. And after year eight, the loan is completely paid off and he's paid for the policy loan, an interest of 2.1% or 54,000 bucks over eight years. Now, guys, you know mortgages better than I do. How are mortgages looking these days? Are we getting 2.1% most places? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty darn good for getting access to cash. But in the meantime, his policy continued to grow as if he had never touched the money. Remember that number I mentioned earlier? 507,000 bucks on the previous screen there? Well, yeah, by year eight, even though he had taken that loan out, his policy still has 570,000 bucks, which means he had a total policy growth in the first eight years from 400 grand to 507. That's an increase of 107,000 bucks. Now, wait a minute, Mark, he did pay some interest. Let me ask you a question real quick. <clears throat> Let's say for some reason he didn't pay that loan off in year eight, you know, and maybe it's closer to year 10. Do these returns still look the same? Does the spreadsheet still look the same? It does. Yeah. Now he'd pay a little more interest since he's taken longer to pay off his policy loan, but we're talking, you know, maybe 2.3% interest instead of 2.1 or whatever. These are just favorable loan interest rates. It's always, oh, and if he passes away and never pays off the loan, then the death benefit would just be reduced by his loan balance. Okay. Now the key piece here is his money was doing two things at the same time. What we see here is the growth of the policy. It grows, whether you borrow against it or not, just the same. All right. What we don't see is all of the appreciation of his real estate, all the rental cash flow that he's received, the tax advantages. All we see is that he earned 107,000 bucks and he spent 54 grand to borrow the money. That means he had an arbitrage of 53,700 bucks. And he says, how do I do that again? That felt good. I want some more of that, <laughs> right? That's his arbitrage in the first loan. Let's zip down to the ninth year or 10th year, excuse me. And in year 10, he now has $551,000 of cash value. Remember, he only put in 400 grand all those many years ago. He takes a giant loan of 550,000 bucks for another multifamily deal. And again, he repays it in eight years. After that eight year period, he's paid 74,900 bucks of interest. Again, about 2% annual percentage rate. His growth was 734,000 was the cash value at the end of that project, which means he grew his policy another 182,000 bucks. Where's the savings account doing that over eight years? And so this means his arbitrage is now 107,000, guys. In other words, this policy is getting more and more and more efficient the longer you keep it and the longer it's in force. So if you're a solid, honest banker with yourself, uh, you can overcome the impacts of inflation and take advantage of real estate opportunities. Again, the numbers could be 10 times smaller than this or 10 times larger. Every policy is custom designed, but they're all going to help you in the months and years ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk about how to structure some of these policies? And I know there's intricacies on every one of them. And that's why we've set up this link. By the way, didn't say this earlier, just a disclaimer. So Mark is my certified financial planner. Is change the trajectory of wealth building for my family. If you want to talk to me about it, let's connect, but let's talk about how these different policies can be structured. One lump sum up front or over time and 
Yeah. You, any of the above, all of the above. In fact, you can have multiple policies doing different things. One of your policies might be this single premium idea that I just showed you. And another might be paying monthly with your cash flow. Another one might be annual chunks that you're dumping into the policy. You know, we've got any number of customized ways to do it. The key is to sit down one-on-one -on -one with a professional who knows what he or she is doing to build it straight up from the ground up. Yep. And don't stop at just one. If you're, I mean, you can get multiple. You don't have to yeah. settle on just one strategy. And you also can do it for your kids, which I absolutely love. We're right. We're almost there getting that thing kicked off for our kid. What, what bank stops at one bank branch? Don't they want to open up more yeah. bank branches? You bet, man. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But this strategy, you're essentially investing the same dollar twice. And if you're like me, you think, what in the heck? This is some kind of voodoo stuff. Mark's pulling one over on us. We've been, I think we're on our third year. Everything that Mark has said has been true and it's led us to, to really build some wealth for our family, buy an RV, do a lot of traveling, uh, pay off a utility trailer. It's just, it's good stuff. Good stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. It's no magic on my behalf, man. I had to discover it too. I'm just trying to like one blind beggar sharing the bread with somebody else, just trying to let <laughs> folks know it's an option, you know? <laughs> so it's great uh, stuff. Thank you, Mark. So there you have it. You know, it's true. You don't want to be positioned in the wrong things because if your money is in the wrong spot, when we have some of this inflation really kick up, it's going to truly clobber you. So it's always prudent to go back and check where your cash is today. And is it doing what you want it to do, given all the information you have at your disposal today? And I still believe that one of the best kept secrets is the bank on yourself strategy and specifically what we can use it for to help us overcome the insidious aspects of inflation, the wealth stealing aspects of inflation. So for those of you who've already set up your bank on yourself type policy, good on you. You're on the right track. For those who haven't yet, guys, believe me when I say this is not the end of market volatility. This is not the end of inflation. It seems that inflation is going to be with us for a long time now. So now is the time to reach out and work with us. You can reach us at notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com and click on request a meeting. It's a big button. You can't miss it on the main website there. Notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com. And we can answer any question you have about inflation, about bank on yourself, or any other of our number of strategies that we work with clients on across the country. So again, that's notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com. Now, if you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, this is the best chance you have all week to remember to do it. You can click on subscribe, or if you're listening to this in a podcast player, there's probably a way you can follow us or subscribe, uh, whatever the language is in your particular app. But there is definitely a way to keep up with our latest episodes so you're not having to hunt it down every week. We bring you the best stuff every week, and we don't want you to miss a minute. Uh, and again, thank you for listening to today's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your inflation, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.